Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, hello once again and welcome to another edition of the Raging Review Podcast. I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. Got a lot to talk about tonight. Cajuns head over to Troy to take on the Troy Trojans. We'll talk a little bit of Raging Cajuns men's and women's basketball. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on around the Sun Belt in football and basketball. We'll discuss volleyball, Coach Christy Gray and the girls advancing to the Sun Belt Conference quarterfinals down in Foley, Alabama. And we'll also talk about, well, unfortunately, the really, really terrible loss to Southern Miss last week, as well as uh, some new opponents on the Raging Cajun football schedule in the near future. And a huge announcement recently down on Reinhardt Drive, big project going on right at Cajun Field. That's all coming up. But first, before we start talking about all of those great things, let's get started by talking about our sponsors. First of all, I want to thank Brett Venable, Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Cairo Med. Have you ever been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain, but really don't want to deal with a long drawn out process? They call the chiropractor raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain. That's right, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to recover quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable can make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you, which include Opelousas, New Iberia, and the main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brad Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He's also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Chiromed. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. So come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337-988-2188. That's 337-988-2188. Or visit recoverychiromed.com. And of course, we want to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being a member of the RCAF and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review Podcast. Absolutely embroidery and more. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. 
At Rager Review, we get all of our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and more. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from, and if you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something that you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with other customers, Absolutely will give you a little bit of an, an incentive for helping out the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customer customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, and uniforms, and much more. And Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of excellent accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. From earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags, just a few options to complete her spicy look. So pass on by 3010 Kali Saloon Road in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to some quality Cajuns clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. If you're out of town or an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social media accounts on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. And of course, Absolutely Embroidery and More always has new Rage and Cajun gear weekly. If you go check them out uh, at 3010 Kali Saloon, you'll see uh, pretty much every week they have something new. So just remember, shop where Rage Review Boys shop Absolutely Embroidery and More. Once again, thank you to our sponsors, Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and More more so thank you so much to our sponsors nick it's been a interesting week man how are you doing oh i'm great it was uh it was a great week you know um i gotta tell you that that southern miss game we looked we looked great um you know just sad that we lost at the end everything was fantastic um uh, you know just a wonderful wonderful game just sad that we lost um but hey, we showed up, right? And and we played football. And the weather was pretty. And the nachos were really good. So, you know, lots to lots to be thankful for in the absolute bludgeoning we took at the hands of Southern Miss. It was a great game otherwise. Yeah, and, and I mean the weather it didn't rain. So I guess that's didn't a rain. positive. Uh, I guess it's also the fact that we actually, I was actually able to go to the game. Okay. That's about know? as much sunshine um, pumping as I could do. That sucked. We were terrible. <laughs> I was um, waiting for it, but we're not, I'm not going to look, I don't want to rehash everything that we talked about. Obviously we were a little more animated uh, and, and we always are right after a loss and, and some people take it to the extremes. They want to fire the whole staff tomorrow and all that good stuff. But the fact of the matter is, as I mentioned, we have brought this program up to a standard. Now, being in the top 25 every year, I get that's not going to happen. That happens to very few schools. You know, that happens to the schools that are paying their coaches $100 million and firing them, you know, and, and giving them a $75 million payday. Those, those programs are, are expected to be in the top 25 every year. It's hard for a program like us to do that every single year. You see with Tulane, they're, they're holding on for dear life. Uh, so we're not, I don't think we're asking for a whole lot, Jerry. I don't think we're asking for us to be number one in the country every year and compete for the, the national championship. We're just asking to improve every year. And, and we ask that in baseball. We ask that in softball. We want that in basketball. And, 
And football is no different. And look, we Rove was dear to my heart and a close friend of the family and loved him to death. But when things weren't going our way, we questioned some of the decision making that he made. We questioned some of the things that were going on in the program. And that's fair because it's a results oriented business. So when we say things like we're not happy with the coaching staff, we're not happy with the way that we execute, we didn't execute, we're not happy with the play calling, it's not a hit against the the coaches. It's just facts of things that we see. And I think when you get paid the money that you get paid to be a head coach or assistant coach and coach a game, I think you you that that's part of that's part of the job. And we're not we're not a professional organization here, right? I mean, that's to say the least we're not. We're we're just a couple of fans that are talking football and basketball and baseball and softball. So I think I think, you know, we need to reset our expectations on what we say is I'm not I'm not a guy on ESPN, you know, throwing the 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 program under the bus. We're just fans that are passionate about this program and want us to have a a winning program. The last thing I'm going to say about Southern Miss, there's no one else besides Dez and the rest of that coaching staff and the players that wanted to win that game more than us. We we can we can sit here and criticize everything and think that, you know, we took it hard and they didn't care. That's not the case. You know that every single one of those players and coaches went home pissed off, upset, sad, not not feeling great about the loss. And I think we need to sometimes keep that in perspective that they're going to take it a lot harder than we do. But we're going to be vocal and we're going to be fans because that's what we're here to do is we're here to challenge the norm. We're here to make sure that we're putting it out there, that we have expectations as an entire fan base and give people the opportunity to come on here after a game and and speak their mind. And a couple days later, it's probably not as intense as it is that night, but we're going to tell that when things are going good, we're going to say it's good and we're going to come on here. We're going to have a good time. We're going to smile. We're going to laugh. But when it's not going good, we're going to tell you that. And um, it's unfortunate that some people took that to the next level and think that we're, we're just hating uh, the program. Nah, there's no program that we love more than this one, uh, but it's all fair game. We expect results. We have the expectations that were set. And I think uh, moving forward, that's just how it's going to be. We're going to question things when, when we see them. We're going to call people out when we feel we need to. And we're going to congratulate and give everybody the kudos when, when appropriate as well. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we get started. No, that's fine. And I think that, I mean, look, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. If we didn't care about this program, if we wanted to sit here and bash, 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 why would we waste our time doing that? Look, I've got a family. I could be doing other things right now. Uh, you could be doing other things right now. I could be now, playing Call of Duty. I want to play some hey, Modern you Warfare. Could be, I got to get that, new, that, that XP up on Modern, Modern Warfare 3. So I could be doing that right hey. now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And so, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's to your point. We do this because we love our school. We love our program. And, and look, there's going to be things that people and fans aren't going to agree with us on at times. And that's okay. That's about being a fan. You can be a fan your way. We'll be a fan our way. And if, if there's anybody out there and, and who wants to claim that we're critical and, and well, if, if there's anybody out there who wants to make it personal for the things that we talk about when it comes to coaches, Look, it's, a, it's part of the job. Coaches know what they sign up for when they get into the business. They know that they're going to receive criticism. They know that they're going to get feedback. They know that, you know, not ever, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. And these coaches are, a lot of these coaches are making hefty salaries enough to where at a minimum, they should learn how to take feedback that may not go their way. If there's fans out there who get offended by that, then th- like, like Josh has said before, we're not for you. Um, I, you know, they, we do have some fans out there who 
if you say anything about the coach, they get offended as if you, you attack their, 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 their family or something. It's like, no, that's not who we are. I've, I never divide. I always divide the coach from the person. If you're a good person, but you're just not coaching well enough, we could definitely decipher that. Okay. We're not trying to bash the person, but at the same time, if you're getting paid good money and you're not achieving a certain level of success that is expected of you, don't get upset. If we say you're not achieving this level of success, that's, that's expected of you. And then I'm not saying that about anybody in particular. I'm just saying, um, you know, there have been times where people have been a little critical of what we say and that's fine. Just listen to somebody else. It's not, it's nothing personal. Hey, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say, like I just said, we're putting ourselves out there and, and we'll take the criticism as well. You know, I, I don't, get offended by any of that stuff because because we we knowingly choose to 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 launch this platform and you're going to have haters and you're going to have people that love you um but also having this platform gets me a little bit of time to say what i feel and uh when it yeah. comes to that it, hey that this is my time to say how i feel but but like uh like the coaching staff we love all our fa well most of our fans there are a couple on a, a message board that we're not very fond of but typically we uh we're we we love most of our fans and uh you know without without all of us together um bringing up the good the bad and the ugly who would do it you know who who would do it so um i saw joel bio talking about absolutely talking about a onesie i had to make sure he said baby onesie because i was a little worried that he was getting yeah. a onesie for himself made if no. you do joel let us know because i'd love to get some pictures maybe we could put that on the rendering for the new stadium <laughs> It'll scare the opposing fans away, exactly, right? Exactly. We do things differently down here. But anyway, guys, so uh, let's get started. Um, huge news, huge breaking news uh, down Reinhardt Drive. So the other day I'm driving by Cajun Field and there were rumors of uh, construction equipment and whether or not it was for baseball or football. We've been hearing all this speculation of when the football stadium is going to start and what's going to happen and what's the timeline. And so I decided to drive by Cajun Field yesterday morning which was wednesday and i saw um it looks like demolition equipment because it said demolition on the side so i took a picture of it posted to rage and review uh, on all social media platforms and uh got a little bit of a buzz but uh I, we knew that there was going to be uh a certain ceremony today and there was uh as of this morning at 9 a.m the university and the athletic department released a video of the new stadium renderings for our lady of lords stadium that is the breaking news today yes cajun nation we are getting our new stadium our lady of lords stadium will be a renov or cajun field which will now be our lady of lords stadium will be renovated starting on december 11th of this year and uh is expected to be completed uh by the 2025 football season so let's talk a little bit about uh, what happened today uh, with Our Lady of Lords Stadium. So basically, Our Lady of Lords Stadium is expected to have uh, a little bit of over a little bit over 30,000 uh, seat capacity. Um, they're going to have 34 suites, 40 loge boxes, 524 club seats, five new lower bowl chairback sections, and all the modern and enhanced amen amenities for all fans. So this will be done on the west side of cajun field uh the east side is a totally different phase i know there were a lot of questions on that um this coming year the entire west side it will be pretty much of no use it will be under construction and so for 2024 
everybody will be uh, displaced where if you have season tickets, including myself on the home side right now on the west side, uh, we will all be displaced around the stadium. I know come January, I believe the athletic department will release some information on renewing season tickets, where to sit, how that's going to work. And uh, also, there will be some temporary press boxes that will be um, erected up on the top part of the, I believe it was either the student section or one or two sections over, uh, overlooking Cajun Field from the east side. So uh, this project has been ongoing for probably over a decade now. And uh, today we finally got to see it. I know there was a special presentation uh, today at the baseball uh, club. And I believe Dr. Savoy spoke, Dr. Maggard spoke, I believe a representative from Our Lady of Lords spoke, Coach Mike Desermo spoke, and they answered some questions. So yes, this stadium is getting done. Yes, it's very exciting. And um, come December 11th, if you want to go watch <laughs> watch the, uh, the, 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 the west side of Cajun Field come down, you have that chance. I believe Dr. Maggard said it would probably take around 60 days for them to bring down the, uh, the press box, as well as the remaining part of Cajun Field that is expected to come down. So next weekend against UL Monroe, uh, this is your last chance to, uh, to see Cajun Field the way that it is before uh, changes are made for Our Lady of Lords Stadium. So Nick, I got to ask, man, you've been up in that press box many, many times. What's your reaction to the news today that uh, that Cajun Field is getting a full-fledged makeover. You know, somebody said today the the fact that the stadium was better 40 years ago than it was today is kind of it, it says everything that you need to know. Um, I I know I told the story a while back. I'll tell it again. When I sat and I, I had the best seat in the house, man. When I sat up in that press box, I was right at the 50-yard line on the second level, um, and I remember looking down and seeing this big gap about this wide in the in the concrete. Like between my legs and a John Dugas was sitting next to me and I was like, John, what is going on here? Why is there a big, like, this isn't safe. And he's like, well, you know, that's meant for when the, the weather gets hot and cold and the, everything expands and contracts. And I'm like, that's BS, man. You, this place is just falling apart. I mean, I can see down into Maggard's box between my legs. So I, look, it's, uh, it's, it's like the old teak, the old teak sentimental. You know, um, I think I think it's sentimental, but it's 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 kind of the same thing where there was there was like mold growing on the concrete in, in the Teague. I'm sure I'm going to die in a couple of years because of that. Everything I've breathed <laughs> in that press box for 20 years. But it's uh, it's still sad to see it go because it's what I grew up with. It's what you 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 experience. It's, of course. you know, me me having butterflies in my stomach when I was a senior in high school and doing a trumpet day. And I went we went on the field and performed before the game and I was so nervous because it seems so big you know as a kid everything seems bigger and I know when I was a senior looking up at the at the press box and it just seems so big um so it's it's bittersweet it's it's a piece of history but like McNaspy you know it's uh you'll always have those memories of it but man when you start looking at this and I know some people are are already I mean you go onto the on Facebook and people are complaining well that why are they doing that? They should spend money elsewhere. Um, uh, there was another one that said something about they didn't like the design. I love it. I think it's going to be exactly what we need uh, for that stadium. I think it gives us ability to expand in the future if we need to. And it, uh, it complements, you know, the design complements the Teague. My favorite part of the stadium as I'm clicking through these 
um, of course, Jerry, would be your picture. Somehow got into the renderings on the left-hand side of the screen. <laughs> Somehow, Jerry, and I'm convinced that is Jerry. I can't. I, yeah, it's it could Jerry. Be. I mean, uh, it could be. Made it onto these renderings. I am offended that you did not get it invited to the press conference today. Uh, but they did a really, <laughs> I will say, they did a really, really good job with that. I did watch the stream. Um, I wish they would have given me more, or, or fans in general, more of a forewarning that you would be able to stream it. You know, I know very limited invites went out, but I think ahead of time letting us know that it would be available to stream would have been clutch because we could have all been prepared. And I think that would have maybe, uh, you know, calmed down the masses that were upset that they couldn't go. But uh, I think this is going to be, when it's all said and done, just that that hopefully that shot of adrenaline that Acadiana needs to come out and check it out and realize that we have uh, a quality, we have quality guys playing for this team. We have quality coaches. We, we have guy people who care, even though we sometimes, you know, question um, decisions they make. You can't say that Brian looking Dr. Maggard looking at him today, wasn't proud of this. And you, you can't look at T Joe and say he wasn't excited for this to be happening. So it, this I I'm hoping that this is that shot that we need to kickstart our fans coming back to Cajun Field. I know. Look, and before I say anything else, I, I always tell fans I'm not going to tell you how to fan, but don't start moaning about having to sit on the east side of the stadium this year. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it's going to be hot. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. Progress is not always easy. Sometimes you're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable and go sit on the other side and you're not going to have your seats, but it's worth it because in a year we're going to have a really, really nice stadium with amazing amenities. And uh, I just, I can't wait. Uh, I'm, I am super excited to finally see this going on. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this since I was a freshman in college and that was a really yeah, long time ago. No, Jerry. seriously. No, we have. And you know, just, just for clarity uh, to your point, Nick, I'm the same way. It's very bittersweet. Uh, I I grew up in Cajun Field like like you did, and for me, it's kind of, it's just like the old Teague. I mean, you 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 rehash the memories, you rehash the nostalgia. It's a little sentimental, but at the same time, it's time. It's time for something new. It. I mean, unfortunately, the structure of the stadium now it's become so outdated and it's aged over the last just five or six years. You're seeing other stadiums in the conference. South Alabama got a new football stadium. App State, it seems like they're renovating their stadium every year. Marshall did an end zone project. JMU has pretty much a new stadium. They've done redone their stadium a few times. Uh, Texas State redid their stadium and did a full makeover about 10 years ago. All these different stadiums in the conference have, have changed and, and ours hasn't. So it's time that we modernize our stadium. It's time that we bring it into the 21st century. But also, if we want to compete at the level that we want to compete at and you want to recruit athletes and you want to create an environment and an atmosphere that's going to attract people to your games, this is the way to do it. This is exactly the way to do it. And so just like the old Teague, the good news is it's not like the stadium's moving. It's just getting a makeover. So when the stadium's ready, we're still going to the same place. It's just going to look good. It's like the Teague, right? I mean, it's the Teague's still the Teague. It's the people that make the stadium the stadium. It's not just because the structure. Now, don't get me wrong. The structure is 10, 100 times better than the old Teague. But it's us, the fans, that create that atmosphere inside of the stadium. So that's the key here. It had the game day operations. 
the fans, the experience, that's what's going to keep that that sort of Cajun magic inside of the stadium once it's finished. And Jerry, I just want to comment on how the administration handled this today. I think from start to finish, with the presentation, with the video, with putting up the signs on the corner of Congress and Bertrand, with everything that they did today, I mean, I saw it all over social media. There's an excitement. They, th- That's it. That's what they did today. They need to do that for every damn football game that we have. They need to do that for every. Fo- now, I'm not saying go put on this huge production and, and make this big, huge professional video. And I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is gener- that excitement you generated today. Could you imagine if they put that effort every single game? How, how the community responded to it. That's what we need. That is the adrenaline shot that we need as a community from the administration. So if any of, you, of them are listening today, today was great. We love it. Don't stop. Keep doing it. We need, again, I, I think Josh might have alluded to it earlier this season. We've got to invite people and make them want to come to our games. And doing that is part of the administration and the program generating that excitement. We can't control what happens on the field. We can't control what will happen on on any given Saturday. But what we can control, we need to control. And that's giving people a reason to want to come to Cajun Field. Somebody, Andrew, before I go back to you, Jerry, Andrew said that the radio level second was dark and depressing. Let me tell you something. I mentioned it before. (laughs) When you're, I I announced a couple of games at Cajun Field. I I played the music up there for a long time. So I'm the guy people were yelling at. By the way, I didn't get to choose the music. I just had to play whatever they wanted. But outside of that, I sat in that second level. And let me tell you, when you have to go to the bathroom, because especially when I'm announcing, I'm drinking water, like water, 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 water. When you need to go to the bathroom, you got one bathroom for the entire second level and the media downstairs. That that's that's that takes some serious planning. I'm very and one excited. Stall. I'm very one stall. Well, sometimes and one urinal. There was <laughs> one stall and one urinal. Right. I remember. So yeah. sometimes you tag teamed it, which was super weird. You got one guy in the stall. One year we played ULM. Before the game started, there was an incident where a ULM. I'm not going to say it was the athletic director, but somebody in his box had a little bit too much pregame and tailgating. And actually passed out in the bathroom with the door locked. That was a whole nother situation. So when you only have one bathroom, <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it, there were just a lot of things that didn't, you know, it, it lent itself to uh, not being the the most convenient thing. So if there was one thing I can honestly say that I'm glad will be gone will be that bathroom because there were so, <laughs> so many issues and and the elevator. Poor Doctor Cottenham who who you know, was confined to a wheelchair. One, one game he was up in the press box and, and the elevator went out and people were freaking out because poor Dr. Cottenham, how were we going to get him down? Thankfully, they were able to fix it within two hours, but that was a whole situation in, in itself. So, so for some, inf- so for more information on this project, if you are interested in getting information as far as uh, the seating arrangements and everything like that, they, they do have a website. It's www.buildtheculture.com. That'll give you all the information. You'll see all the renderings. I believe they'll update the website as time gets closer and closer to construction. I believe they'll have information on tickets uh, for next season as well as the following year uh, for 2025 when the new Our Lady of Lords Stadium opens. 
you can get information as far as looking, basically looking at the location, the, the webcam. There's going to be a webcam from what I understand starting on December 11th when they basically tear down what's what's there at Cajun Field now. Also, to clarify, one more thing. There's a lot of fans asking, what about the east side, okay? The west side is the first phase, okay? So what that means is the west side was funded privately. Everything that was built on the west side was based off of private donations, if I'm not mistaken. The east side project is going to be publicly funded, government money. So because of that, I believe neither project could coalesce. Like the money, the, the money trail can't cross paths in these projects. So that is why you're seeing the west side being built first with the club seating and the loge and the fan, the fan amenities, and then Probably in about, I guess, three or four years from now, they're going to start looking at the east side because if I'm not mistaken, they're flipping the field, Nick. So if you look at the renderings, the Raging Cajuns logo on the 50-yard line, they're actually going to switch that. The press box is supposed to be on the east side. And I believe when they build phase two of on the east side, once they're finished uh, this phase on the west side, they will move the press box to the east side. Um, to basically, and it, they do it for TV purposes as well, because you'll be able to see a lot of fans on TV. Unlike now in the student section, there's nobody else sitting, uh, in those sections. It's going to look better on TV. So, uh, just some, some extra information again, right now they're building just the West side. Everything you see is the West side. That doesn't mean Cajun field project is done. That's not going to be, you know, the whole thing with the stadium and they're going to leave the East side you know, just sitting there, the East side will get done. It's just, they're doing the West side first. And then in a couple of years, they're going to do the East side because of the press box and where they're going to put game day operations and mat game day management and whatnot. Also another, another uh, fun fact, the Hill's not going anywhere. The Hill is not going anywhere. I was told based on fan surveys about five or six years ago uh, with the new stadium amenities, what fans wanted, they wanted to keep the Hill. So guess what? If you have kids, guess what? Y'all can go babysit on the hill. Like my daughter, for example. I'm actually happy to hear about that because now I can take Allie to the hill and it's not going to go anywhere. Also, from what I understand, there's going to be possibly a new scoreboard. I've heard that new scoreboard's going to go up. Big video board, Jumbotron. It's going to look great. The, the whole uh, nine yards. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of really good amenities. And if I'm not mistaken, last but not least, the height of the west side is going to try to match the height of the end zone. So if you look at the tower in the end zone, the height is supposed to match and be pretty much symmetrical. So a lot of great things happening with this project. Again, one last time, I'll give one more, one more, um, one more run, quick rundown of, of the new Our Lady of Lords Stadium. Again, construction will start at on December 11th, 2023, when they start taking it down. Again, uh, you could probably maybe go stand across the street and watch and enjoy yourself watching the, the occasion field come down. This is a $65 million project. Uh, I believe, again, this is all private money on this particular phase of the West side. Uh, the stadium will hold around a little over 30,000 in capacity right now. It holds about 41, 42,000. So it will drop around 10,000, which is look, the original Cajun field, I believe about 10, 15 years ago before the end zone was added or the end zone seating were added with, I think it was like 31,000. So it'll get back to that original capacity. Uh, again, 34 suites, 40 loge boxes, 524 club seats, five new lower 
bowl chair back sections and all the modern and enhanced amenities for all fans to enjoy. You can check out all the information at www.buildtheculture.com. Our Lady of Lords Stadium, it's coming, Nick. Hey, you it's know, coming. you know who who uh, is going to be looking down from from the sky on this is Mr. Frank Babin. Because if you remember, there was no project that got done without Mr. Frank bringing his iPad out and taking pictures and of the progress. And hey, if it wasn't on schedule, <laughs> he was calling John Duga, whoever was AD at the time, and letting him know that they need to get going on it. So. Um, Mr. Frank would would certainly, if he were still around, be doing that. So hopefully he's uh, he's looking up down on it from heaven, making sure everything stays on schedule. Well, the beauty of it is the magic of Cajun Field continues. Um, again, we're not moving locations. The stadium's not going anywhere else. Same place, new memories, just like the Teague, right? We love the old Teague. Now we've got the Teague, uh, the Teague at Russo Park. State-of-the-art stadium, still get to create new memories. The atmosphere hasn't gone anywhere. I expect the same here at the new Cajun Field and uh, Our Lady of Lords Stadium. Should be a lot of fun. Speaking of the old um, team, by the way, uh, there was a super secret that we didn't share with anyone. You know that little bathroom that they had in the press box that was like god-awful? We would tell people that it was broken so that we, and as in we, like (laughs) me and DJ Super John and... uh, and and John Duga could use it. <laughs> Nobody else could because it was always broken. So that's a sorry. Say if Dan McDonald, if you're listening or anybody out there, it wasn't broken. We just didn't want to let anybody use it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So one more time, guys, buildtheculture.com. Get all your stadium information there. And um, if you want to check out, if you're out of town like Nick, you want to check out the progress of the stadium, they will have a webcam there coming up soon and they'll keep updating you with more information as the stadium gets built. So huge, huge moment. Very excited about that. Uh, Long time coming, Nick. Long time coming, but it's finally getting done. Okay, we got that out the way. Cajun Field becoming Our Lady of Lords Stadium. Now, we talked a little bit about Southern Miss. First of all, I want to personally thank Everybody who tuned into our post game last week after the Southern Miss game, as frustrating as it was, as hard as it was, after a loss, Nick and I just we we text each other back and forth, and we're like, we don't want to do this. This no, you said it. Usually, I'm the one that's like, screw this, I'm going to bed. But you, <laughs> you were the one that didn't want to do it, and I'm like, Josh, get on, we're doing it. So yeah, well, here's here's what happened. So I can explain. Because I believe it was Jimmy Butler who had asked, how did Jerry get back on here so quick? I actually had to leave when we went up by seven because my daughter was at my parents' place. So I decided to go and uh, go and get her. And so by the time I actually caught the overtime um, at the um, – I, I caught it. I caught the ending at my parents, dropped my daughter back off at the house, or came back to the house, put her to sleep. And by the time I was able to get on here – uh, you and Josh pretty much had everything under control. So I joined in, but man, the calls, the number of listens, the participation from both Cajuns and Golden Eagle fans. I got to give a shout out to, to Southern Miss Golden Eagle fans. Thank you guys so much for joining in too. Most of your fans are really cordial and cool. You had one or two trolls. Hey, it happens. That's okay. We, you know, you're going to get it. But for the most part to our Southern Miss friends, thank you so much for joining us as well. And um, I mean, that was probably our most viewed post game by far by yeah far. in the thousands which is crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is crazy but uh no that was fun look even 
it, it's it, it makes you doesn't it make you feel better, Jerry? Like after you get it out, and after other people get yeah. it out, it it kind of oh, makes yeah. it, it. It's not as <laughs> bitter of a pill to swallow. Now I usually give myself like the rule where the next day I'm over it. I was still pissed off on Sunday, but by Monday I was okay. By Monday I was okay because that was ugly, and and I don't know if we can get any, there are any really good excuses and. I don't know if we'll we'll touch on the uh, the post game or, or should I say the the comments Des made on uh, on his coach's show this week didn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy about the uh, the Troy game coming up. So I don't know. We'll see, man. I just want to flush it and move on. To be honest with you, yeah. And because of that loss, of course, Cajuns dropped their second straight. Uh, Louisiana now sits with a five and five overall record, two and four in conference play. Cajuns dropped that game to Southern Miss by the score of 34 to 31 in overtime in front of a crowd of 15,134 fans. You know, we left 21 points. I mean, okay, you know what? I say 21 points. At a minimum, we left 13 points off the board, okay? The goal line stand in the first half. You kick a field goal, you're up three at halftime. Second half, once again, you can't convert on fourth and goal. You kick a field goal. That's another six points. Then we, we we sack their quarterback. We sack Wiley, run it into the end zone on a scoop and score, and what happens? We fumble the ball on the goal line. So at a minimum, you get two field goals and you score a touchdown. That's 13 points right there. Everything we could have done, every opportunity that we had, we just couldn't take advantage. And that was the most frustrating to me because – that's not necessarily getting beat as much as it is you losing that game. Now, Southern Miss made more plays than we did. They got the job done. I will give them credit for that. But the number of mistakes we made, the number of just careless errors we made, the concerning thing about it is we're, we're on game 11 of the season and we're still making these boneheaded fundamental mistakes. That's what's concerning to me. It, we're, uh, I'm going to say it again, game 21. We're now in game 11. This has been since last season. But we, yeah, you make some points about, you know, we left points off the board. We we did this. We could have scored here. We could have scored there. Jerry, there was nothing in that game. There was absolutely nothing in that game that gave me any confidence that we would pull off a win. When When I saw how we came out, when I saw how the second quarter, the guys were just kind of lackadaisical when I saw at the end of the half, they weren't even, or yeah, they weren't even trying to get to the quarterback to maybe get a, uh, they, they were showing no sense of urgency. It, it, nothing gave me confidence that we were there to win the ball game. And you shouldn't have to look at points off the board that we left on the field or however you want to say it. You shouldn't have to do that for a two win team. And I don't care if they changed their offensive coordinator halfway through the season or whatever they did. The fact of the matter is, Outside of Frank Gore Jr., he, he killed it. You allowed him to kill you. It's it's like Danny Lynch. Like, you know it's coming, and you, and you let them do it. And for some reason, when it comes to Southern Miss, we, we let their be- best players beat us. I mean, when you know what you have to do, it's like pitching to Danny Lynch. You, you, you're an idiot. You shouldn't do that because you know what's going to happen. When you let Frank Gore Jr. dominate you, why did we give him the opportunity? We've stuffed good running backs this entire season. And for some reason, we just couldn't figure it out today. So again, no. it's it's not it's not game it's not game 10 for me, it's game 21. 
and or, or whatever game it is over the 22 over the, the course of two seasons. It's the same themes. It's the same recurring issues. And and as I alluded to, when you when you heard the coaches show, it's it's a lot of, well, we just got to execute better. Well, we just got to play better. We're, we're going into our 11th game of the season and we're talking about executing better and, and playing better and getting get it, like not feeling like they're going to give you a win. This is Sunbelt Conference football, my dude. Nobody's going to give you a win. Not even ULM. So I'm concerned. I'm concerned about this week, and I'm really concerned about ULM because they could very well come in here. You know if we don't win this week, what are they going to be playing to do? ULM is going to come in playing to stop us from getting into a bowl like we've done to them many times. They're going to come in hyped up. Nothing nothing this week or, or the past week has given me confidence that we're going to come up hyped up to get into a bowl game. Well, if that's the case, then we got some problems because this team this year compared to last year's team, in my opinion, is a lot more talented and a lot better across the board as far as um, as far as potential, if that makes sense. I thought last year's team was a little bit better, but I feel like this team this year's team there was I felt like this year's team just had more upside, had a little bit more uh, athleticism, right? And that's the frustrating part because four out of the five losses that have happened have been against teams that we were favored against going into the game. We were favored against Old Dominion. We were favored against Georgia State. We were favored against Arkansas State, and we were favored against Southern Miss. So if if you're favored going into four of those games and you drop every one, okay, I don't think that's necessarily because the other team is better. Now they're better that day, but I just think we make so many mistakes. I mean, again, we left a potential 21 points off the board off of our own mistakes. I just think that that's something that we have to go back to the drawing board and look at. Now, granted, I don't like saying that this late in the year, but how do you expect to finish strong if you don't go back to the basics, right? The fundamentals. And it's a shame that it has to go to this route this late in the season. But I hate to say it, but the solution is right now is you got to go back to the fundamentals. And I don't think there's any other solution because the only other alternative is if you don't, you might drop these next two games. Lack of focus, lack of discipline, getting out coached. We've seen it for the last several weeks. How do we respond this week? Jerry, I'm not... I'm not that enthused about how this weekend's going to go. I mean, what what's going to happen between Thursday night of last week and Saturday that is going to give me confidence things are going to be different? The only thing I can say is that we tend to play up for teams like a, 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 a South Alabama that at the time was playing really good football or like a Troy State. Uh, not Troy, excuse me, Texas State, that is bowl eligible and they were playing lights out, you know, before we played them. That's the only thing that gives me a little bit of maybe encouragement going into this weekend is that there is the potential for us to play that type of football again. But man, it's it. These last two weeks have just been so hard to watch and and. As a fan, you just have, again, I have that concern going in that we're going to come out flat again. And and I think 
what concerns me most is the doubt. Once doubt sets in for the team, it feels like that's their Achilles. Once, once they have doubt, they fold. I hope that there is something that happened in the last week and a half that changes that. But again, they're going to have to show me because I, I, there's nothing that I've seen so far that tells me that they're going to come back and fight based on the last two weeks. They did it against Georgia State, came out short. But these last two weeks, man, it's just like once that doubt set in, they they just they packed it in and, and called it a day. Well, let's talk about it a little bit, and that's going to bring us into our next segment. The Cajuns will travel to Troy this week. Troy officially clinches the Western Division, so there will be no extra game for the Cajuns outside of a possible bowl game scenario. Uh, the Troy Trojans defeated, I believe last week, they defeated the ULM Warhawks 45-14, to and they also clinched the Sunbelt Western Division. So the Troy Trojans will be representing the Western Division in the Sunbelt Conference Championship on December 2nd. So the Cajuns are going to play a team that is on fire right now. The Troy Trojans sitting at 8-2, and 8-2 overall, 5-1 and one in conference play. They're coached by John Summerall, his second year head coach with a record of 20-4. and four. The Cajuns will take on Troy in Troy, Alabama at 2.30. 2.30 p.m. kickoff. You can watch the game on the NFL Network or listen on the radio through 103.3 The Goat or Hot 107.9. So let's talk a little bit about Troy. Once again, they're 8-2. John Summerall is their second-year coach. They're led by offensive quarterback who seems like he's been around since the Stone Ages, number 18, Gunnar Watson. This is his last year. This will be his senior day. Quarterback Gunnar Watson has is uh, has 193 completions out of 314 pass attempts. He has averaged 265 yards of passing per game, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, and also rushing the ball is pretty is Sunbelt Conference standout junior running back number 28, Kamani Vidal. 211 carries, 1,168 yards rushing, seven touchdowns, 5.5 yards per carry, 116.8 yards per game. So he rushes for over 100 yards a game. So that's going to definitely be, it's almost like another Frank Gore Jr. The Cajuns will be facing with even more weaponry on this Trojan offense, which includes number one, uh, Jaber Barber, number one, junior wide receiver, 50 catches, 700 yards receiving 14 yards per catch 70 receiving yards per game and four touchdowns he lit it up against the warhawks last week i got to watch a little bit of that game and he's definitely going to be somebody the cajun defense will have to key in on as well as mr vidal also sophomore wide receiver number six chris lewis has 22 catches 535 receiving yards 24.3 yards per catch 53.5 yards per game and seven touchdowns and rounding up the Trojan offense on the skill position, senior wide receiver, number 11, Deshaun Stoudemire, another player that seems like he's been around since the beginning of time, 34 receptions, 473 yards receiving 13.9 yards per catch, 47.3 yards receiving yards per game and one touchdown. So if you look at these stats, I mean, You've got Gutter Watson. He's thrown 21 touchdown passes. Kamani Vidal has seven touchdowns. Jaber Barber, four touchdowns. Chris Lewis, seven touchdowns. Deshaun Stoudemire, one touchdown. They love to spread the ball around. This offense is very similar to Louisiana. They're very balanced, but they, they're they like they're like App State. 
they have an identity, they know what they're good at, and they know what to do. And when they become effective, they become unstoppable. But worse or scarier than the offense is the Trojan defense, giving up a total of 200 and under 300 yards. I'm sorry. Yeah, under 300 yards per game. This defense is probably the crown jewel of the Sunbelt Conference, and they are led by senior linebacker number 10, Jaden McDonald, 35 solo tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. They're also led by senior hybrid uh, linebacker slash defensive end. They call it a bandit position. Number nine, Richard Jubinor, 20 solo tackles, 10 and a half tackles for losses, eight sacks on the year. Troy also has a defensive end, a junior, number six, Javon Solomon, 17 solo tackles, 11 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, five quarterback hurries, and rounding out that talented Trojan defense, senior cornerback, Reddy Stewart, 24 solo tackles, four tackles for losses, five breakup passes, and four interceptions. So this Trojan team is pretty much good all around. Uh, Let's talk a few miscellaneous stats troy right now averaging 29 points a game they have 153 yards rushing averaging 275 yards passing 428 yards total offense their opponents or should i say the trojan defense has only given up 15.9 points a game they've given up only 102 yards rushing uh, per uh, rushing yards per game 194 yards passing per game. And again, they have given up a total of right under 300 yards of total offense per game, which is at 296.9 yards per game. And um, the Trojans penalties average around 50 uh, 50 yards per game in penalties, where their opponents have 37.8 yards per game in penalties. Third down conversions, the Trojans convert third downs 40.4% of the time. Their opponents, they only have given up 28.9% third down conversions. Fourth down conversions, Trojans are 50%, so they're half and half, whereas their defense has only given up 29.17% of fourth down conversions. And also red zone scoring, Trojans 37 of 39 in the in the red zone where the Trojan defense has only given up score, or should I say the Trojan opponents are 20 for 28 in the red zone. Little bit about the Cajuns right now, stat-wise. Cajuns averaging 31.1 points per game, averaging 191 yards um, or rushing yards per game. Cajuns passing attack, 213 yards uh, per game, where the Cajuns have a total of 404 total yards of total offense per game, which is about a little little bit um, more than 20 yards under the Trojan offense in total offense. Cajuns are averaging 48.9 penalty yards per game, right under Troy's at 50. And the Cajuns and Troy pretty much identical on third down conversions. Again, 40%. Fourth down conversions, believe it or not, Louisiana is about 2% points higher. They're at 52.6% in fourth down conversions. And the Cajuns, and this is kind of where they've had some trouble, Unlike Troy, who is 37 of 39 in red zone scoring, the Cajuns are 30 of 40 in red zone scoring. They've only scored 75% of the time when inside the red zone. So right here, I'm looking at the stats. I mean, the Cajuns really, they're almost identical to Troy offensively. The big difference maker is the defense. It's the Troy defense 
that has really, really made them the the competitive eight and two team that they are. This is a game where Louisiana, if they can find their footing in the rushing attack and be able to march down the field and sustain drives, this is an opportunity for the Cajuns to have a chance. In order for them to have a chance, they're going to have to score on this Trojan defense. I think the I think the Trojan uh, I, I think the Cajun defense can actually play against this Trojan offense, but it's going to have to be like South Alabama. They're going to have to force some turnovers and flip the script on them a few times to really have a chance to win. Yeah, I was going to say that we're going to have to, we're going to have to play well on defense. We're going to have to play better than we have these last couple of games. I feel like, like, like you said, we have to force some turnovers, but we also got to capitalize on those turnovers. You know, if we get a fumble, we can't go three and out and punt the ball back to them. We've got to capitalize and get points off of turnovers and look, our coaching, I I get some of the decision-making and I'm not going back and hating some of the decisions that were made, whether we go for three or we, we try to get a touchdown, but I don't think this is a game where we try to get cute when it's fourth and two at the six yard line, uh, you know, uh, fourth or should I say fourth and goal at the six yard line. And instead of, of kicking a field goal to put three, we we go for a touchdown unless we're we're trailing by a lot. I think we need to get points on the scoreboard this week. Any way that we can get it, whether it's three or seven, we need to get points on the scoreboard. So again, we need to turn. If we get, we've got to force force a couple of turnovers, and if we get those, then we've got to convert those into points. And and any type of points that we get are going to be great. Um, Man, their defense scares me. Troy's defense. They they they're tough. They're good, I, man. I really think they're I, good. I'm not gonna lie. I think they're gonna be there. Troy is the best team that we'll face this season. I really do. I think they're better than Minnesota. I think they're they're better and more complete than any team that we're facing um in in on our schedule thus far this season. And and considering we're playing ULM next week, then definitely the best team that we face in the regular season. We just I, I think we're going to know who we are in the first quarter. I think we, we're going to know how the game is going to progress in the first quarter. If we're still making those silly mental, having those silly mental lapses, allowing Gunner to to throw to a wide open receiver in the middle of the field with no one within 20 yards of him. If we have breakdowns and coverage in our defense, it's going to be a long night for us. But if we show up to play, if we look like we want to be there, if we're in the second quarter and we're hanging in there with with Troy, then I think we have a chance. But I think we'll know very early by by the early mid second quarter how this game is going to turn out. It's I I you know I want to say I, I'm encouraged maybe by the fact that we score we score nearly as many points as they do per game. But when you look at they're only giving up 15 points a game. I don't know. We, we've talked about stats all season and, and especially against Arkansas State and Southern Miss. We saw how that came back to bite us, even though I said we don't play games on paper. It's the same thing this week. Just opposite. We can't they can't take us for granted. And look, Troy, I don't I look summer all coaches is a very good coach, and I'm sure he's going to have his guys to prepare for prepared for us next weekend. And I'm sure he's going to say things like, yes, we've wrapped up the West, but we have bigger bigger fish to fry and we've got more goals, you know, they want to be ranked. So you'd like to say, well, maybe this is going to be a trap week for them because they're, they're kind of cashing it in because they won the West. But I just don't feel like that's the case with this team. They want to be ranked. They want more. And, and so I think they're going to bring us 
their best game this weekend. We just got to respond and 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 treat it like a heavyweight fight and not fold in the first quarter. First of all, I think it's their senior day. Secondly, they're trying to host their championship game. So they still have a chance to host the championship game. So there's no reason why they should fold or overlook us or goof around or treat it like it's some easy rental win because they they need to they need to play. They need to show up to achieve their goals as well. The matchup actually, I, I feel like this matchup kind of favors us in a way, not necessarily as far as who's going to win or lose, but more along the lines of Troy beat you in the trenches. It is kind of a dogfight when you have to play them. And believe it or not, I feel like that's kind of our game as well. We play our game in the trenches. Now, you you say that they're better than Minnesota. I think the difference between Minnesota and Troy Troy's offense is very similar to ours. They line up in the shotgun. They run a little more spread, but they run a spread balanced attack, very similar to what we do. They don't have the offensive lineman to basically wear down our front seven like the Big Ten line did at uh, at Minnesota. You could definitely tell in the second half, Minnesota just wore us out running stretch under center. I don't expect Troy to do that. They spread the ball out a little bit more. Again, very similar to what we do. So I think that's actually going to favor us in many ways because I think we'll be able to stop that more then get worn down by a bunch of six, seven offensive linemen that Minnesota had. Um, but where I think we need to really bring our game is offensively. Um, we have to beat them at their own game. And just like against South Alabama, we're going to have to be able to score on them. Like you said, Nick, trying to go for it on fourth and goal in the first quarter, kick the field goal, take the points. This is one of those games. This is one of those games. You take the points because You've seen it. They Troy's average, their defense has only given up an average of 16 points a game. So you take the points you can get. I'll, let's tell you what. Let's go into, all right, so let's do keys to victory. I'll give you my three right now. You know what my first one, my first key to victory is? Score 20 plus. If you score 20 plus against this team, you got a shot. You score 20 plus against this team, you, 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 kind of bring them out of their game and you kind of force the game on them. I think if we can do that and, and score 20 plus, we got a shot. I think the second thing we have to do is do what we did against South Alabama, hold their drives, beat them in the trenches and force turnovers. You force turnovers, you give us more opportunity on offense to, to, to bog them down in the, at the line of scrimmage and run the ball on them. That's another way I think we can beat them. Third way I think we can beat them, quit making basic mistakes. When you get in the red zone, score. Don't fumble the ball. If you get a scoop and score, hold on to the football before crossing the goal line. Don't give them the ball back. Just it's go little down. things like just that. Just go down. I was screaming, go, go down. down. <laughs> yeah, just fall. It's little things like that to me that uh, that's that's how you beat them. That's how you win games. That's how we lost the Southern Miss game last week. Fundamental, just fundamental mistakes. This is not a game you can make fundamental mistakes. You make fundamental mistakes against this team, they're going to make you pay, and they're going to make you pay fast. So again, key, three keys to victory. It's easy. Force turnovers against their offense. Score twenty plus. If you score twenty plus, you got a shot. It's, it's just stop making fundamental mistakes. Get back to the basics. You do that, we can be in this thing in the fourth quarter. And at that point, it's fair game. Yeah, my three, my three key. Look, everything you said. I, I'm having to come up on the fly because uh, a lot of what you said is what I had written down. First, I think offensively, we cannot rely on the big play. We have got to control the time of possession. We've got to be able to run the ball. 
and Chandler, I think Chandler is going to do a good job of, of passing the ball for six, seven, eight, nine yards, not rely on going downfield every play. If we can do that and control the time of possession offensively, that will help us out tremendously. Number two, kind of the opposite on defense. We got to stop the big play. We can't let, let Gunner beat us, right? We got to try to contain him as best we can. And that starts with not being confused on defense. You can't be looking to the sideline with your hands up. And then, like I said earlier, have a guy catch a pass with, with no defensive back within 20 yards of him. We've got to make sure that we're covering the guys that we need to cover and we're in the position uh, that we need to be in to be successful every single down. And then finally, as you said, force turnovers, but also capitalize. As I said, a turnover is great, but if you go three and out, that's just a punt back to them and they may actually get better field position. So we've got to make sure that we capitalize on any turnover or any opportunity that that Troy gives us this weekend. If they if they have a bad punt, we got to capitalize on that bad punt. If if we uh again force a turnover, we got to we got to capitalize on that turnover. Everything they give us, we have got to take and and use to our advantage. And Jerry, it's just uh you know, you said it the back to fundamentals thing just kills me in game 10 of this season. And game, I don't know of two seasons that we're still talking about fundamentals, man. This is, it's concerning. It's concerning when you're going. It's a bummer. It is. It's a bummer. But if you want to finish strong, that's what you got to do. As much as I hate to say it, right? I mean, that's the only other, I mean, what's the other alternative? You you drop the last two games, right? I mean. I know. I I, just, it's just the fact that we're having this conversation talking about fundamentals drives me nuts. Like that's, that's basic. Like that's. I feel like that's what you practice all spring to do is, is fundamentals. And, and then we're here talking about it, you know, in the, in the second to last game of the season, that just drives me nuts, man. It's like, it's like angels in the outfield. Whenever um, uh, the, the manager comes in and like flips over the table, he's like, I want everybody here <laughs> after the game. We're going to work on fundamentals. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when we got our ass handed to us at Nichols and baseball and, Ian Kale's mama baked some cookies for us before the game. So what Robe did was when we got back home, they had to run outfield and uh he handed me a cookie, he handed Bab a cookie, and we ate cookies while they while they ran back and forth in the outfield. <laughs> I feel like that that's almost what we need to do in football is like somebody needs to give them a swift kick in the rear to to make them understand that that we're serious. It, 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 now's not the time to go be a friend to the players as a coach. We need discipline. We need, we oh, need you, coaching. You want to you go five and seven? Go shash out the, the players. Yeah, well. You want to go five and seven? Go shash out the players. It's, now's not time to go shash out. Now's not the time. Yeah. Only Cajun fans will understand what shash out the players means, by the way. <laughs> if any Troy fans are, are listening, they're like, what the hell is he talking about? Shash is a term for uh, pander. You want to go pander to the players? You want to go five and seven? Go pander to the players. Oh, it's okay, buddy. You'll get them next time. Oh, it's okay. Nah, uh-uh. Nope. You sound like nope. the fans that, that don't want us to talk negatively, Jerry. <laughs> Everything's <Well>. great. <laughs> oh, I don't know what the problem is, you know. Oh, negative. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, 
Troy game, Troy Trojans, Saturday in Troy, Alabama. They will be kicking off at 2.30 p.m. Game will be televised on the NFL Network. Again, you can listen to Jay and Gerald Bruce, Jay Walker and Gerald Bruce on, on the radio, if you wish, on Hot 107.9 or 103.3 The Goat. And uh, yeah, let's see what this Cajun team's made out of. Let's see how they react. Let's see what type of uh, grit they have. And um, I, I would not be surprised coming on the post game, going. Of course, they would win this game. That, what did you? you I know. know. I, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, and it would be Cajuns would, win. Yes, we're happy. But what? <laughs> it would be so par for the freaking course, Jerry. That I feel like that's what we do. <laughs> hey, look at that. Look, here's the good news about that. You do that, you're bowl eligible, right? And now you have a chance to finish off the regular season with a winning record. I mean, I, look, I know that should have been the minimum weeks ago, but here we are. So you might as well make the best of it, as disappointing as it has been the last two games. So anyway, again, Cajuns will face Troy Saturday. Hey, best of luck to the guys. We'll come circle back to that. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about what happened in the Sunbelt Conference this past week. A lot happened in the, in the Sunbelt Conference, starting with JMU once again trying to get an, an appeal with the NCAA and JMU along with Tarleton State, who is moving up to the FCS level, and Jacksonville State all denied postseason uh, bids. Uh, the NCAA is like, nope, the rules are rules. Got to follow the rules. Sorry, no, you cannot play in the postseason. But for Jacksonville State, as well as JMU, as long as there aren't enough bowl eligible teams, if there's anybody le with less than a six and six record and there's still bowl openings, Jacksonville State and the JMU Dukes will get first dibs on a bowl berth. And honestly, a lot of these bowl predictions have both of them in a bowl game. So most likely they will be in a bowl regardless. Jerry, you know, look, I'm so sick of talking about James Madison and the stupid bowl situation. And I'll say it again. It would be great for the conference. I wish they would have overturned it. That would have been great, but they didn't. So shut up about it. But now their attorney general is threatening a lawsuit against the NCAA, suing them for, for rules that they agreed to, to move. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about this. And and at this point, it's just pandering to the fan base and their voters to try to get more votes, I guess. But now the, the governor's going to be at the game for, for you know, uh, College game day. College game day. They're hosting college stuff. game day. Look, yeah. and by the way, that is so cool and makes me so jealous because we've been a part of FBS for so long and never had the opportunity to do this. And that just goes to show you, man, if we had the support in Acadiana like we should have, we could have had that a couple of years ago. And uh, that that's the one sure. thing that we're missing, man, is, is we, again, we can't control on the field stuff. That can work itself out, but... If we do get the on-the-field stuff back on track and we get the support that we need in that brand-new, beautiful stadium in a couple years, we could be we could be hosting game day. Like, that should be something that we all strive to achieve in the very this near is, future. This place is more prime real estate than anywhere else in the Sun Belt based off the fact that we have festivals and It would be outdoor, so ridiculously I mean, amazing. It, they would want to come right back every year. year. They would want to come back every year if we would show up and and do our thing like nothing special we just do our thing and our tailgating and everybody shows up for a college game day on a, are you kidding me it would be freaking ridiculous and they would never want to leave but we need the support of Acadiana 
to make them want to come here first and the winning, of course, that, that all ties together. But I mean, it's, well, it's like you keep saying the culture of can't, well, that's out the window. We know what we can do. We know what we're capable of. College game day is not outside of the realm of possibility. Five years ago it was, now it's not. It's up to us to make it happen, you know? Second year in a row, a Sunbelt school has hosted college game day. Last year, uh, college game day went to Boone, North Carolina with App State. This year, they're going to uh, Harrisonburg. Is it Harrisonburg or Harrisburg? Harrisonburg? I don't know. Yeah, Harrisonburg, Virginia uh, for the the GMU game this weekend. Again, GMU, they lost their appeal, but they did defeat the UConn Huskies by the score of 44-6. Remaining undefeated on the season, App State back in business defeats Georgia State by the score of 42-14. to Troy goes to Monroe, takes care of business against the Warhawks. Troy victorious over ULM by the score of 45-14. to Coastal Carolina gets a big win against Texas State. Coastal wins by the score of 31-23. to South Alabama defeats Arkansas State by the final score of 21 to 14. Marshall gets back in the win column, big win over the Georgia Southern Eagles. Marshall victorious by the score of 38 to 13. And I had to keep this one, I had to save this one for the, for last because of course, Liberty defeating Old Dominion by the score of 38 to 10. And apparently Liberty is, they, they're crowning themselves the king of the Sun Belt because they defeated Old Dominion by 28 and of course coach jamie chadwell was talking about getting respect and all this other stuff about the conference and uh i don't know i was like man just just stop that that dude's already (laughs) on a plane to starkville right now trying to trying to negotiate his contract anyways and of course uh southern miss victorious over the cajuns by the score of 34 to 31 this week saturday every game is on saturday this week again cajuns travel to troy uh, to take on the Trojans at 2.30. Coastal Carolina will play West Point. They go to West Point to play Army. Kickoff will be at 11 a.m. Have you ever been to West Central Point, time. by the way? I have not, but I'd love to go. We had a, we had a, uh, a manager training out at West Point, and it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I had to throw that out there. That's just, that's one of those places you go and you're in awe. Like, just from the moment you get there, it's just like you, the history and Everything about West Point. That's so cool. I wish we would get to play there because that that's an amazing experience. No, no doubt about it. So, yeah, Coastal will go to Army. Kickoff at 11 o'clock. You can watch that game on CBS Sports Network. Southern Miss travels to Starkville to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Kickoff at 11 a.m. You can watch that on the SEC Network Plus or ESPN Plus. Cajuns, future opponent, ULM Warhawks, will travel to Oxford to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. That kick that game will be uh, set for eleven o'clock. You can watch that game on the SEC Network. Of course, College Game Day going to Harrisonburg, Virginia, as James Madison will host the App State Mountaineers. Kickoff will be at one o'clock. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus. Texas State travels to Jonesboro to take on the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Kickoff at two o'clock on ESPN Plus. Marshall travels to Mobile, Alabama to take on the South Alabama Jaguars. The Marshall and the Jaguars will kick off at 4 o'clock. You can watch that game on ESPN+. Old Dominion will travel to Statesboro, Georgia to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles. ODU and Georgia Southern will kick off at 5 o'clock. You can watch that game on ESPN+. And Georgia State will travel to Baton Rouge to take on the Tigers. 
kickoff will be at seven o'clock. You can watch that game on ESPN two. So that's your schedule, your, your, your Sunbelt schedule this upcoming week. Again, every game is on Saturday. Cajuns and Troy, I know I've said it like 20 times. I'll keep saying it. Cajuns and the Trojans will kick off at 2.30 in Troy. Alabama game will be televised on NFL Network. So that's going to do it for the Sunbelt football schedule this week. Moving on to men's basketball. Cajuns, the other night, or should I say last Saturday, Cajuns traveled to Toledo for the Sunbelt MAC Challenge. Cajuns were up by as much as 16 in the second half. A uh, little bit of lopsidedness on free throws. I don't know if they might have had a little bit of Mac home cooking there, but Cajuns could hold on to the lead, got a little sloppy at the end offensively, and a uh, big-time comeback by the Toledo Rockets as the Cajuns drop this game to Toledo by the score of 87-78. to 78. They were outscored by 20 points in the second half, and so hopefully this could be one of those games where they could just kind of uh, learn a few things and continue to grow. Just some stats here real quick. Demas Falks, 25 points with five assists. Contrell Garnett had 14 points, five assists, and he shot four three-pointers. Kobe Julian had 12 points, two assists, and Joe Charles rounded it out with 11 points, one assist, and 10 rebounds. Last night, so the Cajuns dropped that game to Toledo, but last night the Cajuns came back home and hosted Louisiana Christian at the Cajun Dome. Cajuns victorious over the Louisiana Christian Wildcats by the score of 107 to 56, extending the Cajuns' home streak in the Cajun Dome to 18 games. Kentrell Garnett led the team with 20 points, six three pointers. Wow, the man was on fire beyond the arch. Kobe Julian had 16 points and five assists. Joe Charles had five. Uh, 13 points, five assists, and 10 rebounds. So good win for the Cajuns last night. Pretty much what you expected. I mean, look, I know Louisiana Christians in NAIA school. When you play a school like that, I expect to beat them by at least 40. And they did that. So um, nice win last night. Cajuns will travel to Estero, Florida, which is right outside. I think it was outside of Fort Myers, Florida, if I'm not mistaken, for the Gulf Coast Showcase. They will play Wright State next week. Uh, Monday at four o'clock central standard time. You can catch that game on KPL 96.5. Or if you want a subscription to watch the game, I believe you can go to flowhoops.com And uh, I believe they will have all the games available for the Gulf coast showcase. So that should be a good challenge for the Cajuns. Look, I don't mind men's basketball going to those type of tournaments. I'd rather play those tournaments than host a bunch of these no name NAIA Division II schools or whoever at the Cajun Dome, you win by 100. What do you really learn, right? I'd rather go play a right state, a team that is really good, by the way. I believe they, I don't know, did they recently beat Toledo, if I'm not mistaken, by one point or something like that? I mean, they're a good team. So I like the challenge. I'd rather that challenge than play some no-name team in the Cajun Dome, win by a lot, and pad up the, oh, the, the, the record. Everybody's like, oh, well, we won this game. We won all these games. But what did you learn? Yeah. What did you learn? And I like this Mac challenge thing too, by the way. I do too. I, I gotta I say, it. I know some people aren't crazy about it, but I think this is cool. I think Mac is it, look, we the 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 whole point of this challenge, and I think like you said, against Wright State coming up, is that we want to face our peers. And you feel like a Toledo, you feel like a Wright State. Those are our peers. 
so it's good to play teams and kind of have a feel for where you are and where you're going. But I got to tell you, one thing, one takeaway that I had against Toledo, which, by the way, Jerry, uh, I want to get your take on why year after year we build these, we continue to build these huge leads and then get crazy <laughs> at some point and then can't can't hit a shot and can't play offense and, and throw the ball away. I'll get to that in a second. Folks is a dude that is a leader on this team. And it's so refreshing to see someone take that leadership role because you saw during that game against Toledo where the officials were obviously, I, I mean, there, there were a couple of times they should have teed the guy for Toledo, but they didn't. And, and it was getting chippy and all that stuff. And like you said, the, the discrepancy between free throws between the two teams was all over the place. But it was good to see him step up and like have a conversation with them and let him know, I guess, you know, his perspective on what happened. And I think he tried to calm things down at one point where things were getting a little bit chippy. So you kind of feel like folks has taken that that leadership role on the team. And that's good to see early in the season when you're only two or three games into it. But but going back to my earlier comments. I, I feel like that's a trend and I'm not a basketball guy. I'll, I'll admit I, I never got into watching basketball other than turning it on and kind of catching the Pelicans every now and again. But I doesn't it feel to you like it's a trend that every single year against teams that we build up these, you know, 15, 16, 20 point leads and then I, everything just collapses and, and we can't hit a shot and we can't play defense and everything goes against us, you know, if it happens a game or two, then you kind of figure, well, that that's, you know, that's a one-off, but it feels like, doesn't it feel like to you that this is kind of a trend that you kind of, once you build that lead, you're kind of holding your breath because you know, something's going to fall apart. Cause that's again, me not being a basketball guy and not knowing the X's and O's. That's kind of how I started to feel during that Toledo game. When we got up, you know, I think 12, 13 points. I was like, Oh, when is it going to come? I was holding my breath. When it, when is the breakdown going to come? And it came. I mean, we just got dominated after that point. Why is that? Do you have any, any under better understanding that you can explain to me? Who's a dummy about basketball on how that happens? Well, I think it's a mixture of a bunch of things. First of all, I think some of it's coaching. I think some of it is just the fact that momentum shifts fast, especially when you're on the road. The other day you go to Toledo and they get on a run, right? Their big man start starts performing in the paint they become unstoppable. They start making some crazy shots on that, on those during that stretch. And then offensively we get sloppy and, and we start to panic a little bit. And you could see it. I mean, some of the turnovers that we committed were off of just strict panic and sloppiness. We, we started getting a little too, a little too, too aggressive instead of just kind of calming down. Um, that's something I saw the other day where like, for example, Joe Charles tries to drive in, drive it down the lane, go for a layup. He just the ball just slips out of his hands and goes out of bounds, right? You got you got Hosanna in the in the center. He's trying to get some shots up. He he fumbles the ball and the ball goes out of bounds, right? Little things like that. And then on top of that, when little things like that happen, you turn the ball over and now you've got Toledo making every shot they throw up. You've lost all the momentum. So to me, when it comes to giving up a run like that, I think you still you have to stay calm. But you also have to not go into to this panic mode and play as sloppy. I thought in the second half, especially in the last 10 minutes offensively, we just we just looked sloppy and we couldn't react to it. Add in the fact that the lopsidedness of free throws that Toledo had compared to us, I think they had like 29 free throws. We had like six. 
I don't even I mean, think we got into the bonus or double bonus. No, at all I mean, that's insane. Game. Yeah. But with that said, when you have a 16 point lead, you have to know that's happening. So you have to have that in the back of your mind. It goes like we talk about with football, with the fundamentals, right? You have to stay calm. I thought that I thought we got in a little bit of panic mode in the last few minutes. You can definitely tell. Um, I mean, it happens. Uh, I didn't like it because I thought we were just as athletic as they were. I mean, you don't go up 20 points by being a bad team, right? So I, I ex- that game was frustrating to lose, it, it, and it was frustrating because I thought it should have been a win. I just hope moving forward this is a game that we can learn from it, learn how to temper our, our, our um, panic at times and our sloppiness that we showed in the second half. And so when conference play comes, we know how to handle a situation like that. Because I'm going to tell you, man, there's a lot of teams in conference that are just as good as Toledo was. And it's almost become the norm in the Sun Belt. So I, the fact that it's the second game of the season, I would have loved to win that game. But at the same time, I saw the potential that this team has. Uh, I expect this team to be competitive. But to your point, you have to hold those leads. But you can't, you can't, you got to be disciplined. You And you have to be able to adjust. And I thought... You mix in a little bit of coaching, you mix in a little bit of sloppiness, and you mix in a little bit of panic, and that's what you got in the second half. You yeah. let Toledo come back and beat you. And look, basketball gives me anxiety to begin with. So I that is the one that is the one sport where I sometimes just have to turn it off and walk away and then come back and, and look at the <laughs> it's score. It's fast, later. man. It's fast and like it's you can fast. be up by 30 and then all of a sudden you're down yeah. by 10. Like that just gives me anxiety i just i can't and then you get to the last two minutes and good god that turns that could that last two minutes can last 30 drives me nuts but <laughs> i gotta so say true. one of the best parts of that game was watching hosanna go coast to coast i've never seen a slower coast to coast than what i saw with that it was amazing and that was i think that got me pumped up more than anything i may have seen in the sports world this entire year is, is seeing him do that that was fun to watch he's gonna be good he is good I don't know why I'm he's, he's, he's gonna be. He's good. got a. He's good. He's got a little ways to go. He's got. He's got a little. Yeah, learning. we got to get him a little bit polished. But he's fun yeah. to watch, is what I'm saying. But but the thing is, what I liked, what I did like the other day was the fact that you know Kobe Julian, the poor guy's been hurt so many times. It was good to see him drive down the lane and go into the paint. Yeah, it's good to see Joe Charles go into the paint. Now Joe Charles, he's like he's our Dennis Rodman. He rebounds everything. If I but hear him compared time, to Dennis Rodman one more time. <laughs> But it's true. Look at his stats. I know. Everybody I know. else has like two rebounds. He's got like 10. He's done it. He's got 20 rebounds the last two games. And that's that's what he's good for. He's good at rebounding. He's good playing defense. But if he can start stepping up in the paint, which he has, that that's huge. The, the only issue and the only concern I have for guys like Kobe Julian and Joe Charles playing more in the paint is that they're going to get tired, right? They're going to get tired. So I do, I, I do hope that we have enough uh, guys – in, on the bench that can come in. I know Kyron Ratliff is one of those type of guys. He's still young. He's he's kind of like Hosanna, still kind of he's got to be polished a little bit, but I think, you know, we we've got the talent to be able to to get it done. So, again, I'm not as discouraged. I'm a little frustrated about it, not as discouraged. I listened to coach Marlin's post game with Jay. He seemed dejected about it cuz he was kind of like, you know, I mean, we just didn't play. I was just, he's like, I was disappointed in the second half, which is, he said, it's the right thing to say, you know, it's true. But I think this could be a learning experience. And like I said, man, one of the, my biggest criticisms with basketball was, you know, these, these non-conference games, you're playing these teams and you're beating them by 50. What do you learn? Tells you nothing. Again, what do you learn? 
right? Now, last night is necessary. You have to play at least one or two. But we were at one time we had a schedule playing like a bunch of like bad SWAC teams and we we're playing these low level Southland schools. I'm like, you don't learn anything from that. But you go play Wright State, and granted, our Wright State's 0-3. I did check it. I want to correct myself. They lost to Toledo by one point, but they lost to Indiana by nine. They lost to Toledo, and I think they lost one more. They were competitive in all three games. They're not going to be a slouch. Then you have a chance. To, I think I think we also have a chance to play either Hofstra or Buffalo in this tournament. I mean, these are some good teams. These are These are tournament teams. So give me that challenge all day. I would rather, and I know this sounds crazy, but it's like baseball, right? I would rather lose to someone like a Buffalo, a team that you know goes to the dance every other few years, right? I'd rather lose to them by four or five points than go play some no-name NAIA school and beat them by 60 because at least I know you're learning something against that team that you lost to. Does that make sense? I mean, am I no. crazy for thinking that? No, totally. And and look, also for me, who's, again, like I said, I, I'm not a basketball fanatic, but I know that Wright State is typically a solid, a solid basketball team, and and you start throwing out names like Buffalo and 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 Toledo, right? Then, you know, those are all recognizable names for me as a fan of Cajuns basketball or, or the Cajuns in general, and that gets that gets my attention to wanting to watch the game. I didn't watch the game last night. Well, first of all, my internet was down, but that's all. We're not going to go into that, but. But the point is, like, that's what we need to start doing. I, I don't need to play a Miami or a Duke or uh, a Gonzaga every year. To, but I want to play teams that I recognize their name and and I know that they're a solid club. And it, that gets me interested. That gets me make that makes me want to watch. And like you said, playing a Louisiana college or, or teams like that don't really tell me a whole lot. But when you're playing a Toledo or who's the team that we beat earlier? I've been, I've been trying to think of, we beat them Youngstown earlier. State. Youngstown state. I know to the NIT last year. Right. By the way. Exactly. You know that they are teams that, that can compete or in competitive and it you're able to size up where we are this year compared to last year. And I think that's sure. important to me. I want to know, have we progressed more? Are we, are we on the upward trend? We're on the downward trend. And this gives you a little bit of that litmus test to be able to tell that as a casual fan and and say, yeah, I want to pay attention to this team. So I have no problem with the with the scheduling this year. I think it works out well. And I really hope that's that's the a, an upward trend that we continue to see these games scheduled um, like we do. Now, look, I would love to play a Baylor or a Duke or a Gonzaga or whatever every now and then. I'd love to have one or two of those games on our schedule every year. But then again... You don't want to go into a game that you're so heavily favored against, at least not yet. Maybe we'll get to that point where we're competing. You know, we go into those games thinking that we have a shot. But I think, again, like I I mentioned, Brian Benton, when he came on talking about basketball, we want teams that we know we can compete with, that we could possibly beat. But if we lose to, it's still going to be a benefit to us. And that, I think if we continue that scheduling trend, that's going to work out well. Well, it's like baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, you you know that, right? I mean, look, it, you go play a midweek game against, I don't know, let's say you go to College Station, you go play Texas A&M, and let's say you lose by four runs, but you were competitive against them. Would you rather go play them or go play, I don't know, Grambling, who has, in the, and I don't mean to use them as an example, but they had a low RPI. We basically, run, the game ended in the seventh inning last year because we run-ruled them, okay? What? Which was more beneficial? Now, I know people are going to say, well, you won that game. 
but did you did, did you get anything out of it? But think As about Ron Rock. Maybe... Think about Ron Rock. Remember, we yeah. went zero and three, but we yeah. that helped us in the end, right? We got into a regional that that you know sometimes you need to take your lumps early in the season to get where you want to be, and that those to me were L's for learning. And and it's the same in basketball. I feel like that's what we need. We need the L's for learning and not just taking an L because we're getting dominated. So just to give you an idea of the Gulf Coast Showcase, it'll be at the Hertz Arena November 20th through the 22nd, uh, again in Estero, Florida. Iona, High Point, Long Beach State, Illinois State, Louisiana, Wright State, Hofstra, Buffalo. I look at these teams. Quite a few of these teams have gone to the dance recently. These are all good teams. Yeah, all historic, competitive historically good teams. I mean, you look at the yeah. Hofstra, right? Even Indiana State. Like you, those are names that you're like, oh, I've heard of them. Like they, they've they've made some noise. And th- those are the teams, those are the teams that we need to play against. Again, Gonzaga, you're not going to look at them as a football school, but you know their name from basketball. And, and that's that's hard for me as a football fan sometimes to separate, you know, a football school from a basketball school. But these are some damn good basketball schools. So that's exciting to me. No doubt about it. And uh, yeah, again, the Cajuns will take on Wright State this coming Monday at, again, it will be at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, you can listen to the game on 96.5 KPAL or watch the game on at flowhoops.com. It, you will have to pay a, uh, a fee. Uh, what is it called? A subscription, right? Subscription. And I know. <laughs> yes, I'm, Jerry. I'm, subscription. You have oh, to subscribe. Um, Darn. <laughs> I wish it was free, but hey, I'll pay can't, for it. I, mean, I wish it. Would, I wish the money would go to the program, but uh, again, I'm invested in it. Like now, I want to see them play those those teams. So I don't mind paying a couple of bucks to see the uh, the Cajuns play. No doubt about it. So anyway, moving on, let's talk about what's going on around the Sunbelt Conference in men's basketball. So again, uh, Cajuns were victorious. We'll just kind of go through what's going on this week. Looks like we had some key games uh, starting on Sunday. JMU continues to stay undefeated. They defeat Howard by the score of 107 to 86. JMU now ranked in the top 25 in basketball. So JMU's ranked in basketball and football, giving the, the Sun Belt some love. How impressive Can't is complain. that, man? I mean, hey, look, more power to the Dukes, man. Well yeah, done. That that's well very done. well done, and that shows a commitment to excellence in um in academics and in makes our um, conference look good. <laughs> yeah, in academics and athletics, and it makes us look good. And I guess do we play? We don't play JMU this year, do we? We do. They come to the Cajun we do. Bell okay, January fourth. So look, hell yeah! I mean, even if they're not ranked when they come in, you know you're you're facing a team that just upset Michigan State, number four in the country. Like we should yep. show up for that game. So. Uh, no again, that makes that makes these game these conference games even more special. No doubt about it. Monday, Old Dominion traveled to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to take on the number fourteen Arkansas Razorbacks. ODU gave them a game, not quite good enough though, as Arkansas defeated ODU by the score of eighty six to seventy seven. Tuesday, there was a, there were a slew of Sunbelt Conference games, and for the most part. A little bit of half and half. Some teams did well. Some teams didn't. For example, Jacksonville was victorious over Georgia Southern by the score of 85 to 68. Arkansas State victorious over Alcorn State 100 to 86. Oklahoma really takes care of business against Texas State 93 to 54. Alabama, wow, just dominated South Alabama. South Alabama just can't catch a break. Alabama and Tuscaloosa defeated 
South Alabama by the score of 102 to 46. Wow. Troy defeated Reinhardt College by the score of 111 to 46. And Oregon State in overtime defeats App State in Corvallis by the score of 81 to 71. Of course, Wednesday night, the Cajuns hosted Louisiana Christian. Cajuns victorious by the score of 107 to 56. Southern Miss victorious over Xavier of New Orleans by the score of 76 to 45. Wichita State games tonight. Wichita State traveled to Conway. They defeated Coastal Carolina by the score of 86 to 77. Louisiana Tech traveled to Monroe. They defeated ULM by the score of 73 to 63. And right now, Nichols looks like they're up by one point in overtime over South Alabama by the score of 79 to 78. We'll give you an update on that score. By the way, Nichols uh, Colonels over. Taken, taken down TSAB last week. Very, that was an <laughs> impressive win. Very impressive win. And basically, you put the entire fan base on meltdown because there's a lot of panic uh, with their basketball program in Baton Rouge, and rightfully so. I mean, you just look a team like that should not lose to Nichols. I'm sorry. Yeah, just and then they took it out on us. <laughs> That's so right. They, they they did, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, moving on, real quickly to women's basketball. Uh, Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies traveled to Auburn last Thursday. Gave Auburn all they could. Couldn't quite finish. Great effort though. Cajuns drop a close one to Auburn by the score of fifty. Or I'm sorry, of 60 to 54. This past Sunday, uh, we had a daddy-daughter date, Allie and I. I actually went to the Cajun Dome to watch the women's uh, Max Sunbelt Conference Challenge. The Cajuns took on Kent State and uh, dropped a close one by the score of 64 to 55. But I got to tell you, Allie had a blast. We had some uh, footage of her walking up and down the aisle. She loved the crowd every time. And it's funny because... Every time, like one of our players were running down the court, she'd start clapping. So I'm teaching her, Nick. I'm teaching her. I'm training her to be a Cajuns fan, and she's looks like she's learning. So, anyways, yeah, that that's um, that was a tough loss. The Cajuns now dropped to one and two overall, and they will take on Nichols this Saturday at two o'clock. You can catch the game on the Varsity Network, uh, 105.1 FM. And uh, yeah, good luck to uh, Coach Broadhead and the ladies this Saturday. Okay, also volleyball, Coach Christy Gray and the girls down in Foley, Alabama for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But last, uh, but first we'll start off with last week, Cajuns rounded out the regular season and they finished their home stretch against App State. Cajuns were victorious over App State back-to-back -back wins by the score, or I'm sorry, three sets to zero in game one and three to two. They won the game three sets to two sets uh, on Saturday, and the Cajuns record improved to 18 and 12, nine and seven overall. And today they defeated ODU by the score of three sets to zero, meaning they will advance to the quarterfinals against Coastal Carolina tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. You can catch the game on ESPN+. Plus. Good stuff, Jerry. Did we beat – I feel like we beat Coastal earlier this season. I don't know. I may be imagining that, but I felt like we did. I'd have to go look at the uh, schedule. But great to see them move on. Um, Christy doing work with our volleyball team this year. No, great job. Great job, and uh, best of luck against the Chanticleers. So – We've covered 
football. We've covered basketball. We've covered everything going on around the Sun Belt. We've covered volleyball. Let's talk a little bit of baseball because things got a little chippy. I've never seen so much passion about a practice, a fall practice like I did uh, the other day. And it wasn't our fans either. It wasn't us. It was not us this time. The Cajuns took on the Tigers in Baton Rouge for a fall ball scrimmage. Dropping game one, six to one, and game two, eight to two. Pitching was great. Game was back to back, but it looked like they couldn't finish towards the end. Looks like the Tigers got some key hits. And um, I mean, I, I didn't even, I barely knew the game was going on until social media started to explode. We were getting tagged in many of the score updates. For a scrimmage, Jerry, for, for a yes. freaking scrimmage. And I talked to my brother after. After the scrimmage, um, he was telling me, look, my brother is very high on pitching this year. I think I told you this uh, a few weeks ago. Some of our guys were were hitting the the 93, 94, 95 on the, on the, the pitching gun. He's very encouraged by our pitching. Uh, didn't show necessarily in the score, but he thinks that we have some hosses on our pitching staff this year. And, of course, with Gunner on staff, I think that's just going to be um, a bump up in, in, in talent and execution on the mound this year. Uh, hitting wise, you know, we look as, as I was told, there were some very, very, very big NIL deals that were given to some of the, some of the pitchers on the, uh, the TSAB side. And I don't know, according to what I've been told that we'll face uh, a more loaded pitching staff than we did last weekend in that scrimmage. So, uh, yeah, had a lot of strikeouts. I think we we've. We've got to improve on that. But, you know, we we say it every year. We get frustrated with the Degs teams early in the season. And then as the season progresses, things start to come together. Maybe another season of that. Um, guys are going to have to be more disciplined at the plate. But, I, I look, one, it's a scrimmage, <laughs> you know. And two, uh, I don't know that we're going to see a pitching staff this season as good as as TSAB. Uh, we'll, of course, face their, their number two over the weekend when we play them in the Astros Classic, which I'm I'm looking forward to. We're still working on maybe getting a live stream done uh, that weekend here in Houston. But uh, you know, I think I think scrimmages like this are meaningful. I think you get guys that are looking at live arms that are not our own live arms, and it's good to kind of see where you are. But you can't really take a whole lot lot out of it. But when you have, you know. We took so much crap from fans who thought our midweek parade and t-shirts were real last week for beating them midweek in, in a game. I mean, I'm not going to say meaningless game, but for RPI purposes, that was a, that was a good win for us. But we, we knew that wasn't more than, than, you know, an RPI win and it was great to have, but holy cow, man, those guys this weekend, when you start tagging people on Twitter about winning two scrimmage games like who like are think have things reversed like <laughs> you know they were claiming we're petty and we're meaningless and nobody cares about you and you're trash and blah 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 but when they win two scrimmages against you on a sunday in november like all of a sudden it's a uh, you're flexing that like what is my, what my is favorite going was on there was a few of their fans commenting, God, I love beating those guys. I'm like, but it's what, a practice, But dude. they love to tell <laughs> Are us. Are you serious? But they love it's to a, 
But 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 remember, we're Jerry, irrelevant. Then, we're Nick. irrelevant. We're, no, we're irrelevant. But they love to beat us. Nobody we're cares irrelevant. about us. Nobody know what we're we're meaning. We're meaningless. We're idiots. We don't know what we're talking about. We don't have fifteen natties. We all don't have all this stuff. But yet you're flexing scrimmage wins. Like that's where you are. Have we got Jerry? Have we gotten into their head that much that they're now flexing scrimmage wins? They just. They just won a national title and they're bragging about beating us in a practice. And freaking like, uh, AYS, whatever his name that's is. Like, that's like me bragging about a pre like the Saints winning a preseason game and just trash talking. We beat you in the preseason game. That's this is even worse because it's not even counts as a preseason game. It's a, it's a practice. It's not even a preseason <laughs> game. It's <laughs> and well, who's the dude from AYS? I forget his name because he's irrelevant. Uh, whatever. Uh, that dude keeps coming after me. Like he was so excited that they won their two scrimmages. And he keeps coming after me. And I got to set the record straight on this. I, I don't know that anybody cares, but I want to say it publicly. He he wanted me to go on his show so that I could basically get berated and he could try to flex how great LSU is and how terrible we are, blah, 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 blah. And I wasn't, first of all, I have a good job and I don't want to lose it by saying something stupid to that idiot. So I'm not going to get on, I'm not going to humor him by being on a show. But secondly, like, do you have nothing else to do than get triggered by us? I it's it's kind of weird. Like I think he's kind of there are a couple of those TSAT fans that are kind of obsessed with me, Jerry. I don't. Uh, it's it's weird. I, I don't look, man. I talk about the cages. I don't get involved with all that foolishness. <laughs> that's that's all of them. You're too good. Pick, You're too good. I, it's just it's just it's it's petty. It's ridiculous, you know. And it's over. It's over stuff that it's over nothing, right? It, it I mean. He also like lied. Nobody like he he said he he claims he my dude claims that I have been to so many TSAB games and somebody somebody said that they have pictures and proof that I would oh, go to. I know for a fact that's not true. Well, that, knowing you, how is no, it possible no, no. that I was at TSAB games when I was working football and baseball like every single weekend that they were having games like how could i be this huge supposed fan my but my thing is who cares who cares who cares i've been to like uh, two so what i've been to two baseball games i think when we weren't playing them because i lived in baton rouge and i think i've been to one football game right because i was invited for a company thing but like that's a flex yeah, I, again. I don't, I don't know. We're no. in their heads, Jerry, and it's weird. It's freaking weird, but so weird that they're flexing a scrimmage win over. I didn't us. even. I forgot. Look, I, I look. My dad texted me about the scrimmage. I had forgotten we had a scrimmage. I was worrying about me the Saints too, game. dude. I, I didn't. I mean, totally forgot. I, I didn't. It was. A, it's. A, it's a. It's a fall practice. You know, we're not even in season. We don't have a season for another three months. I didn't even think about it. But anyway, moving on. Um, Nick, what's your prediction for Saturday against the Trojans? Before we get to that, Jerry, I do want to ask your opinion on this. Um, okay. We were talking about schedule. We were talking about Sunbelt. Let's talk about the news that came out that Oregon State and Washington State had a proposal out to the Sunbelt Conference that they join us in some kind of scheduling collaboration. How do you feel about that? I mean, it sounds like it was completely one-sided and... I think it was an easier path for Oregon State or Washington State to somehow make the playoff because they won the conference and they would be the highest rated, um, highest rated team. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I don't really understand it. 
Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I just, there's really nothing we could do about it. The whole Pac-12, Pac-2 thing has been confusing to me. So what we did in its place is we scheduled Kennesaw State. That's our home and home. Uh, we play them on the, in 2024. We'll travel there first. They'll come here in 27. Um, I would have liked to play Oregon State and Washington State, but I think there's a little more deeper, uh, more of a deeper situation than than we than we know. So, um, and I'm digging into that. Is. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Uh, I'll dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, Hopefully, let, we can get some answers. Idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. But uh, what's what's your prediction for Saturday against the Trojans? Not great, uh, unfortunately. I feel like we're going to get our butts kicked. But I'm going to make a prediction of um, Troy 34, Cajun 17. Prove me wrong. Okay. No, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Look, I, I'm going to play a little reverse psychology today. I think Troy, I'm going to give Troy 34-21 over the Cajuns. Uh, and I hope that it, for any UL player listening or any Cajuns player that is tuning in right now, please prove us wrong. Make us eat crow on Saturday and make us come back and say, hey, look, we were wrong. You were right. You got it done. And uh, this is more of a challenge. I'm trying to play the psychological game. I'm making it a challenge, you know. Jerry, Jerry and Nick don't believe in me, so I'm going to go prove them wrong on Saturday against Troy. Let's hope it works, man. Please prove us wrong. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. Guys, uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, again, you can go check out the website, buildtheculture.com, if you want to get updates on the new announcement of the Our Lady of Lords Stadium project. Very, very happy about that. Congratulations to everybody involved. And Cajun Nation, that's something you can get excited about. Construction will start on December 11th. So next week against ULM, it's your last chance to go to the Cajun field that we know and love. Okay, so again, we've talked football, we've talked stadium, we've talked basketball, talked a little home and home. We talked fall fall baseball practice, not the game, practice. Uh, volleyball, women, women's basketball. This Saturday, 2.30 p.m. kickoff, the Cajuns will host the Troy Trojans. Again, you can watch the game on NFL Network. You can listen to the game Jay Walker, Gerald Broussard, Cody Juno on 103.3 The Goat and Hot 107.9. Cajuns, please prove us wrong. Get the job done against the Trojans so we can be popping champagne celebrating on the postgame, which, yes, we will have a postgame Saturday afternoon following the Cajuns game against Troy. Hope to see you here. We'll be taking your calls, reading your comments, getting your input. Always want to thank our sponsors dr brett venable as well as absolutely embroidery.com you guys thank you so much for paying the bills again dr brett venable recovery Cairo med and absolutely embroidery and more um sorry i just said.com i don't know why i did that <laughs> yes again uh yeah <laughs> Man, been it's, a been long a, night. it's been a it's been a long <laughs> night, guys. Please bear with me here again. Thank you so much to Dr. Brett Venable, Recovery Cairo Med, and Absolutely Embroidery and more. Please visit those two sponsors if you ever need help with um, getting a little bit of a back adjustment or getting some good Cajuns gear. They're the ones to go to. Please don't forget comment, like, subscribe, show us your love, give us feedback. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. You can listen to us on Apple iTunes as well as Spotify. Nick will have this episode up uh, when he can. Best of luck to you with your internet, Nick. Hope it all works out. And uh, as always, you can follow us on social media. Give us, again, show us your love. We want to thank you guys for listening tonight. Don't forget to watch the Cajuns versus Detroit Trojans. We'll be back Saturday night to talk about the game. For Nick, I'm Jerry. 
Once again, go Cajuns, everybody. Have a great night. And in the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. See you Saturday.